Falling in Love. I've previously read this book only once, and probably two decades ago. I've seen both the BBC and Kira Knightley versions multiple times, but of course, like all cinematic adaptations, they can't compare. I love them both, but they can't compare. So, reading the novel now feels like the first time. What struck me the most in these chapters was the ingenious cleverness and depth of character revealed in Lizzie and Darcy's conversations and debates. First, there was Lizzie's desperate effort to stop her mother from embarrassing herself further, when Mrs. Bennet was trying desperately to fan the flames of Bingley's ardor for Jane. In an effort, I suppose, to inspire Bingley's jealousy or prove Jane's desirability, Mrs. Bennet made the unseemly move of speaking about her previous relationship and the pretty verses her suitor wrote. Lizzie's impatient interruption reflects all the arch cleverness we have come to expect from her. Quote, and so ended his affection. I wonder who first discovered the efficacy of poetry in driving away love. Unquote. Darcy seems taken aback by this uncommon observation and says he had been used to consider poetry as the food of love. When Elizabeth doubles down with another clever comment, she makes him smile. Quote, of a fine, stout, healthy love it may. Everything nourishes what is strong already. But if it be only a slight, thin sort of inclination, I am convinced that one good sonnet will starve it entirely away. Unquote. Smiles have been unforthcoming in Darcy, and I think this is where we begin to see the danger he faces of falling for her. Though Lizzie seems set in her impressions and immune to Darcy's appeal, their next conversation was the one in which I, at least, began to fall for him. He is accused of being proud, but his response to Elizabeth, when she says that Bingley's humility disarms reproof, invites us to reconsider, because of both its content and its form. First, he makes the compelling point that there is nothing more deceitful than the appearance of humility, saying that it often amounts in reality to either carelessness of opinion or an indirect boast. His manner of expressing his opinions is arguably insensitive, but unquestionably earnest. Instead of proud, perhaps he is only candid and brusque. Coincidentally, the works I'm currently reading with my 7th and 8th grade classes both contain characters who remind me in this way of Darcy. First, there is Crocker Harris in Radigan's The Browning Version, a prim, proper, and passionate classics teacher in a shallow and materialistic world, who says that he never did possess the knack for making himself liked. It isn't that there is nothing likable about him, but rather that his are not values readily appreciated, and he isn't skilled at making himself relatable. Then, there's Howard Rourke in The Fountainhead, who, when told he must learn how to handle people, says simply that he can't, adding that it is as if he was born without some one particular sense. All of these characters are ultimately more likable because they lack the capacity to make themselves liked. They possess an earnestness and depth of soul that make them appear aloof from and superior to society. The movies can't compare with this novel, partly because they can't do justice to the intricacies of Lizzie and Darcy's discussions, 
and the strength of character and depth of intelligence that they reveal. It's the same reason I can't do justice to them here, but can only recommend that you go back and read and relish them again. In any case, it was the qualities of their conversations that is making Darcy fall in love with Lizzie and me with him.